On today's Recruitment, Marketing and Sales podcast, we have a special guest, and that lady is Claire Bush. Now, some of you may have come across Claire uh, over here in the UK. She has worked for the likes of Randstad. She's also currently working with Logic Mellon in a, in a strategy position, and she's also worked for Broadbean. Um, Claire, as many of you will know, masterminds all the content uh, presentations that, that uh, happen at Rec Expo. And she is a great advocate of personal branding and has also done a number of keynote presentations on this exact topic. So I managed to grab hold of her uh, earlier this month, uh, record a presentation with her, um, which we are sharing as a podcast today. And also you'll be able to find it on YouTube. So if you go to the Superfast Recruitment channel on YouTube, you will find it there too. And she actually goes through the presentation because we jumped online and actually did a did a webinar of it as well. So if you have wanted to know all about how to utilize personal branding to help you as a recruitment leader stand out and your organization, this podcast is definitely for you. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Recruitment, Marketing and Sales Podcast. An obsessive focus on marketing and sales is the only way to accelerate your agency growth. So listen in now as we share the latest strategies and techniques guaranteed to deliver you more placements and profit. Well, hi there, everyone. This is Denise from Superfast Recruitment with the amazing Claire Bush, more of that later, from the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. Bit of a mouthful, but well worth listening to. Um, I am absolutely thrilled to finally get Claire <laughs> from Ambush Marketing here to talk about personal branding. We've been, we tried to get this together, haven't we, for a while, because it's a really huge and critical topic at the moment, I think, for, for nearly every business owner out there on the planet, particularly, I think, in the recruitment sector, Claire, because of what's going on in the market. There's such, uh, such growth. I'm go- I've got a whole shed load of questions here to ask mm-hmm. Claire. So she's well briefed in what, what we need to know <laughs> about. Um, so I'm going to go through those. But Claire has uh, gratefully agreed to run through one of her keynote presentations for us today. So some of you may be watching this on YouTube and some of you, so if you want to see the slides for our podcast listeners, head over to the Superfast Recruitment channel on YouTube and see them there. Um, and uh, hopefully that'll be useful. So some of you will know Claire from Rec Expo. Um, she was very embarrassed when I said she basically masterminds the whole event. I think from, from a speaker point of view, she does. And for delegates, she sort of makes everything run smoothly, um, which is was pretty awesome. But another thing that Claire does is she works with a lot of tech startups. You know, she's worked with the likes of Bullhorn and, and various other people. But I think it would be easier if I just hand over to you, first of all, and let you chat through a little bit about Claire and a little bit about personal branding. And uh, I'm sure that we'll get round to answering all these questions throughout this presentation, Claire. So I'm going to hand over to your good self. Thank you very much. And it's lovely to be here as well. So, yes, thank you very much for inviting me. You're very um, welcome. <laughs> So I suppose if I share my screen, um, you can see there I've got this this one I prepared earlier. But um, yeah, personal branding has been, I suppose it's been a passion of mine for a very long time. Um, 
and that's that's kind of because I quite I quite like brands I'm a bit addicted to brands and I've always had this relationship with um really gorgeous looking logos um you'll see there are this is a couple of logos that I've worked for as you mentioned Bullhorn I've also been at Broadbean and I represent about six different businesses from recruitment um technology startups um through like meet and engage through to um brands have been around for over 10 years like logic melon um and i also work with a couple of recruitment agencies again that have been around a long long time but they're, they're constantly investing in their branding and they're constantly investing in their market proposition and i suppose that's the real reason why we're talking and i talk yeah. to them a lot about um is their brand value proposition and that's really where i get a love and passion around branding as well so essentially um a bit more about me i've got a gorgeous 10 year old son who's going to be 10 in a couple of days time i'm quite arty um so i love doodling but also as well this will probably um remind people that marketing is actually about you know just coloring in um i love i love the fact that i do have tons of crayons everywhere throughout the house um, and on every desk that I've ever inhabited, I've had my, my crayons and my paper because I just like to draw and doodle and colour stuff in. And that's my little puppy um, on the bottom right-hand side as well. So I'm definitely a dog person and not a cat person. I knew what that's why we got on, and we like the same colour of dog. Only yeah. our dog has got a little bit greyer over the years because yours is... Um, He's seven months. Yeah, seven months now. Um, he's a Hungarian Vizsla. Um, and if you hear him in the background, I apologise in advance, but he's in his little crate and he's, um, yeah, he's hopefully waiting for me to kind of get through this. But yeah, I mean, I've been, as, as you said, Denise, I've been around um, recruitment businesses now for quite a while. Um, and I've looked after a number of different brands and I've always said that that's basically what I do. I basically help brands to kind of make the most of themselves, whether that's individual people brands or business brands. Um, to make money and I'm quite commercially minded when it comes to marketing in that respect as well so I suppose why branding is important is is kind of why we're here um, for me there's there's three main reasons why branding should be on your radar and on your agenda from a commercial p- perspective obviously we're not here just for the good of our health although if you do enjoy your job as much as I do then it makes it a damn sight easier um, but we're here to make money. We're here to, to run businesses and, and have that commercial reality. We're here to provide services. Um, and a lot of those services are actually um, enabled because we can talk about the value that we can add. So really, branding is is a way to, to get the communication across. It gives you um, presence. It gives you a position. It gives you something that you can basically tell somebody something about your brand um, the value of service that you offer and and you can put it across that way yeah. and then the final part for me is is community so there's lots of c's but um it basically is about that that kind of like bringing together the community that you serve and whether you unite everybody under one flag one logo one icon it doesn't really matter so long as everybody is part of that community they drive that forward as well and and branding is as much external as it is internal um and i always try to make sure as well that we've got a view of both sides of the fence so what does your brand mean to your community but what does it mean outside of that community as well and i think that's a really important point you've got to always see 
beyond the fence, if you like, um, and make sure that you, you are projecting the right kind of proposition that you want and the right vision um, that you want people to, to take on from yeah. you. So I thought it would be quite fun to play a bit of Logo Bingo. Um, and the reason why I thought this was fun is because I want to think about personal brands and I want to think about what 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 kind of person sits behind some logos that might be quite famous. So, Denise, you're going to be my guinea pig right now. Um, you could so, have preempted this and I could have actually swatted up on it. <laughs> um, so who is the CEO or MDs behind these logos? Um, well, Virgin, I would say, is Sir Richard. Yeah. Uh, Enterprise, I don't know. I suspect it's a female, but I'm not sure. Amazon is Jeff Bezos. Um, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Tesla, Elon Musk. Uh, I cannot, for the even though I do have an iPhone, I am a bit of an Android girl, really. Um, so I have no idea who is now the Apple uh, CEO and UPS I don't know and GM I don't know that's pretty poor isn't it anyway no not at all I mean and the reason why I did this was to sort of throw out there that actually those um, figureheads of the businesses that have a massive social presence are really really instantly recognizable alongside of their company brands yeah you know you wouldn't be able to separate Richard Branson and, and Virgin you know, that's kind of like an instant, especially for us in the in the UK, it's a real yeah. instant recognition. The CEO at the moment for Enterprise is a lady called um, Pam Nicholson. And the reason why I put this up, my husband works for Enterprise, he's worked there since he left university like 200 years ago. Um, but he, you know, he's been in that company for such a long time and he's worked in lots of different departments. But what he really loves about that business is that he associates himself as an enterprise employee through and through. And he's worked for lots of different bosses along the way, but what it really gets him is the story behind the brand. And now that Pam's in charge as well, he's got a real affinity for her vision. And she's relatively new. I said probably in the last couple of years, well, newer than Paul is, I suppose. But it's, it's that vision of the boss alongside the logo that basically combines to be what I would suggest, and I think what's also proven as well, is an amount of value that you can't you can't separate out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's there's a couple of other ladies in there as well. I think um, Mary Barra is the CEO of General Motors, and Jim Barber is the, the CEO of UPS. Now, both of those people don't have very large social media presence, and they're not very outspoken. But it's not to say that the value of their business isn't anything less. But what they yeah. choose to do is they choose to internalize their reputation management, if you like. So actually, you go and speak to anybody from UPS or GM, and they'll both, you know, they'll be able to tell you about the, the sort of initiatives and the management style and even the, the closeness that they feel to their bosses. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about actually wearing, you know, big profiles and being out on social media all the time. It's actually about being considered, but knowing your audience. And the other thing that I I really wanted to sort of make a point of here was that if you can imagine that from a personal brand perspective, your company's market value can absolutely almost double if you've got a great reputation in a a business leader. Now, I know there was one question that you, you kind of came up with 
mm, before we came on air around co-ownership and partnerships and branding yeah because it's interesting like because like for Sharon and I we own a business together and we both have a slightly very different personalities yeah um and it's like how you make that brand like I'm very known for the podcast Sharon's known for presenting and you know slightly different but it's like um it's probably a little bit different for us because we can give one another some (laughs) intense feedback sometimes but you know imagine in an organization where you've got two mds and one md is like wanting to encourage the other um fellow director to maybe step out a bit more or develop their brand any suggestions on that what might not be the most comfortable conversation to have with somebody and how it might work yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. I did um, I did an exercise with a really great company back in in December around personal branding, and actually I used um, a SWOT analysis, but slightly changed it up. Mm. So you kind of you put down all of your strengths and your weaknesses, but instead of opportunities and threats, I think I, I switched it round and and put stuff that you liked and stuff that you really didn't like doing. And actually, it's just a real sort of you know helicopter view of yourself. And then you get some, you get your business partner to do the same for you and you do the same for them. So you put their strengths down and their, what you consider their weaknesses or mm. areas that not, they're not so great in. Yeah. Uh, weaknesses is a really quite, kind of a derogative term, but it's not meant to be. It's, it's yeah. like literally saying, you know what, you know you're really great at this, but actually that, that stuff is just not your strength. So let's not, you know, let's not yeah. go there. And what you find is actually you both then got, common ground you've got yeah. common grounds that you're both really really good at but one of you will shine in a different way to another and i'm not talking about then just making that your sort of content theme for the rest of the year but i'm also thinking about actually leveraging that strength so the stuff that i really used to hate was um getting up and presenting and over the course of the last three years there's nothing that i enjoy more <laughs> standing on the stage and presenting to people i still go bright red and i still want to rush off and grab a vodka but at the same time i really love just speaking to people and presenting my ideas and and sort of theories and because it's my stories and i've got really comfortable in the fact that this content is my content so actually nobody else knows it as well as i do yeah because it's my experience can i ask you a question there because you know you talked about the weaknesses you know versus strengths mm. and what you know you like doing or what you're known for and uh you know in in trainers speak because we do quite a bit of training as well we're, it's always like trendy to say your development areas rather than your weaknesses yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that it you know if you've got a couple of directors in an organization and you know like fred is really fantastic at a b and c and diana is really good at x y z do they stay to their their strengths and build their brand around that or or what's the best i think it's about looking at the business so you know where does the business need to go do you need someone who can stand on stage and tell your story do you need someone who's going to be able to go out and present to a room of peers whether that's c-suite the directors um or even just hold a networking session um, and kind of mm. facilitate those sort of conversations in a in a roundtable kind of environment. A lot of the time you've got people within your business at all levels that can yeah. rise up to that challenge and or um, accommodate that kind of level of 
of interaction and engagement with people. Yeah. I think it's really important to to really play to strengths, but I also think in the trainer speak, develop those areas that aren't necessarily like right now obvious because someone might have the ambition to stand up in front of you know hundreds of people but not be able to do that today but with six months training and a real you know really getting under the skin of what the business is doing and being able to really authentically tell the story because they've been part of it yeah I think that's where I find that the best presentations are especially you know when putting Rec Expo's program together it's not so much about having people who are really born to stage. It's more about having people who are really excited about the stories that they want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes someone really engaging. Yeah. It it doesn't matter if it's someone who's just started, but has got 20 years experience. It doesn't matter if someone's been running the business for 20 years and has never done something like that with the right amount of preparation, support, and also, kind of storytelling you know practice anybody can do anything and there's lots of really great kind of uh one of the tips i think at the end of this presentation is about how you can kind of then kind of come up and out but there's lots of different ways in which you can do that as well so hopefully i'll come to that great so let's talk about the reasons why um personal branding can kind of mean a lot to your business and i i thought i've thought of these six areas but i think there's a lot more as well like Adding value to your business based on your own personal brand should be something that you think about, but it's also something that would just happen if you do it naturally. And I'm not suggesting all six of these happen at the same time, but, you know, quite often a lot of them correlate and a lot of them will will kind of be this chain reaction. So if your personal brand is really well and positively aligned and associated with your business, and I'm calling it a business, not a business brand, because your business is the entity and you work within that business. Yeah. Yeah. The recognition that you get, the recognition that you as an individual have will automatically start to permeate into the business as well. So you think about the businesses that I've worked with in the past, the reputation management piece that I've done um, at Broadbean, for example, Broadbean was such a brilliantly well-known brand before I got there. But after I, I sort of, the realms if you like in terms of the events and we went out and we did a lot more sort of visual and physical kind of um meet and greet in the marketplace that instant recognition of both the Broadbean logo and my my personal name my brand but also all of that of my colleagues as well that increased our recognition so much so that actually we just became even more of a a confident player in the marketplace and a really good brand yeah um to be part of once you start to sort of shy away from that or if you kind of, you know, you've got to be consistent, I suppose, is what I'm saying. Because once once that recognition is there and it's upheld, then then it's really difficult for your competitors to break into the market after you. But if you stop investing in that, if you stop being in places where people are used to seeing you, it kind, kind of becomes quite a negative connotation and really quite quickly your recognition can dwindle. And that affect your reputation as well yeah. yeah so you know that whole sort of like negative spin so it's a real fine balance and i'm not talking about spending tons of cash on it but actually as an individual as a business owner think about what can i do to instantly increase the recognition that i have and that might be 
you know, social media, podcasts, brilliant yeah. idea. Yeah. Again, that quality is associated. You're not going to go anywhere. You're, you've got a regular slot. You know, your audience knows what's coming. And the reputation that you have and you build becomes stronger every every um, month or week whenever you, you release your new content. Yeah. There's a direct correlation, definitely. Um, return on investment in marketing, as you know, is something that we all live and die by. Um, and if we, we can increase the recognition, the reputation, then the bookings will follow for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But also as well, there's, there's knock-on effects that are kind of, I suppose, secondary, but actually still as important. So things like collaboration, um, you know, knowing that I've got a really great brand that I'm working with, um, means that I can actually really go after additional collaborations and partnerships. So I don't feel um, embarrassed or, you know, held back by going to other companies and saying, look, I'm doing this with so-and-so. It would be great if you want to come and, you know, talk to us about integrating or if you want to talk to us about how we could possibly work together on an event or what kind of content can we bring together. Yeah. Because, again, that collaboration comes easy because there's trust there. It's the reputation. It's a recognition of the brand. Yeah. yeah. That expertise, again, direct kind of expertise becomes a thought leader. This is really important, I suppose, to the recruitment leaders out there because they've been doing, presumably, they've been doing their job for a while. They either know how to recruit really well or they know their industry inside out or they know the, the, the candidates and the populations and communities that they've got really well established with. And so that level of expertise is another dynamic and another level of trust, which, again, has this sort of circular effect of bringing people into their sphere. And the final part is the success. And if people see that you're successful because you've got the expertise, actually your reputation is upheld, and, and it's all really legitimate and it's all authentic, and that in itself cannot be beaten. So if you are your expert, the expert in the field around a certain topic, then you're going to naturally attract new business. But it's business coming into your business, and actually everybody within that business benefits as well. So there's that, that, that sort of knock-on effect. Mm-hmm. And what tends to happen is the, the leaders of business start out with this sort of expertise. They teach everybody within their business, either the concepts, the theories, or they um, distill the working practices within, but then you've got other people coming up and taking a hold of that button and developing it themselves. So the other thing that I get really, I suppose not frustrated about, but I get kind of really conscious of, is that recruitment owners want to create a legacy, but they don't want to share that legacy. It wants it, It's all theirs. They're not about actually recognising all of the recruiters that are brilliant that are working for them. And that's what tends to happen with churn and turnover of really good recruiters. Really good recruiters get frustrated that their brand, their personal brand, isn't being recognized as giving value back to the business. Mm -hmm. So what I would say here is that it's actually a team sport. Like personal branding is only as effective as if everybody is pulling in the same direction. So that common thread, that common expertise, that common recognition for the value that you're adding to your clients and your candidates is the stuff that really needs to shine through it doesn't matter what the logo looks like as long as it's instantly recognizable and you align with it yeah yeah so that's that's kind of that part hopefully you can't hear all the rain's coming down it sounds like i'm in a tin shack in here (laughs) um 
so I suppose this is this just the the sort of um, tail end of the, of that um, that slide because actually when you start to bring everybody's personal brand power together, it becomes a really immense proposition. Yeah. The power of that combined. And I love that quote, by the way. It's gorgeous, it. isn't it? Um, but yeah, I just I kind of get. You kind of get carried away with the excitement of the fact that anything is possible so mm. long as you're all plugging in to a common goal. So, you know, the business leaders that I work with, I'm like constantly going back to well, what's your business objective? If it is to, you know, to make 10 million by the time you're 40, that's amazing. How are you going to do that? You can't possibly do that on your own. Yeah. And let's, yeah. let's figure out what everybody can bring. And then let's figure out how you can make everybody motivated to do that too. And a lot of that is down to giving back and giving in, you know, kind of um, motivating and, and kind of bringing people possible. But there's also as well as an individual, a lot of ways in which you can um, heighten your own brand visibility. And and this is just a couple of a couple of ways. Um, so Google whacking. Have you done that lately? <laughs> Searching for yourself on Google and really understanding what, if you do this in incognito, by the way, it's a much better yeah. um, visibility in terms of what the truth, the, the social truth out there. Um, if you don't turn off incognito, you get basically yourself looking at yourself yeah. over time. It, it just basically um, shows. But what you want to be doing is really looking at what is that, um, what is that persona? that's being projected that's actually out of your control because we all interact online you know day in day out we've got tweets we've got facebook we've got linkedin we've got all these different channels that are creating the social impression of ourselves or digital impression of ourselves and so what you need to think about there is is how can i positively affect my online presence um and just i wouldn't say checking weekly because nothing changes much weekly but keep an eye on it quarter by quarter you can see a difference the yeah, other yeah. things that i would recommend are things like presenting so we talked about this um but you know getting up on stage is something that i kind of um forced myself to do when i was back at Broadbean, and i really found a passion for it even though some days it was more difficult than others um but being able to stand up and talk in front of people is not something that everybody wants to do or even loves doing. But if you can try to do it um, and just figure out, you know, where where it really kind of matters for you to have a voice. Um, and if you can't present on stage, but you can do a podcast, you know, you don't want to be seen, but you, you can basically talk to camera, then that's fine. What about blogging? Again, another really great way of getting your voice out but without actually being on video or um, audio. So writing articles as well, getting yourself published. You don't need to have hundreds of pounds being placed in PR and content and reputation management stuff in order to get your articles published. You, know, you go to places like Global Recruiter, you go to The Recruiter, you go to Recruitment International. There's so many different trade press that I would recommend for recruiters to start telling their stories and these are stories around innovation, real innovation, stuff around real candidate um, engagement and experience, stuff where they've had letters in or they've had flowers delivered. 
experiences that can be retold and add value to other communities or other parts of their communities and and i think sometimes there it's very easy to say yeah but everybody does that so is it really newsworthy and often we we talk to our clients say well actually it is because no not everyone not everyone does that no and you don't want to be yeah you don't want to be talking about the you know opening of an envelope and and all that sort of stuff but you know in yourself if if you feel embarrassed by what you're saying, then it's probably not article. It's not article material. But if you've had um, a new client that actually you've worked around a brand new, different proposition for them, or you've developed for the first time um, a contract desk where only you're only ever permanent before, but actually you're now helping two or three different clients and a community of specialist candidates then that is something different and new because what it's doing is actually showing the rest of your audience that you are able to adapt and you are able to be spontaneous or more flexible in your approach to solutions and service delivery. And that's newsworthy. Yeah. Um, And again, you know, the applying, applying for awards and things. And I know a lot of uh, my previous bosses would just be like, not another awards submission. And to be fair, I don't think I've ever really delivered an award submission because everybody was like, oh, no, I don't want to be doing that. It just looks a bit vain. It's vanity. But actually, the recognition of the work that goes into the projects, and if they are, like I say, full-on projects where you've delivered something of note that's of worth, that's affected your end clients or candidates, and they can sort of vouch for you and, and say, actually, yeah, this was really, really amazing, then go for it. Um, you know, we, we need to, as an industry, raise the bar on what we're really good at. We, we don't talk about what we're really great at. We just we take our own sort of beatings almost, and we kind of self-beat ourselves down <laughs> as well. Whereas, actually, I think talking about the, the way that we are adapting and the speed in which the industry is adapting is great compared to like five ten years ago when I was amazed I came out of um, the legal profession and I know that that was really slow to to adapt to marketing but you know recruitment's never been slow to adapt to marketing but it has been slow to adapt to the use of technology and things like video and audio and you know stuff like that would these should be options for you to use time and time again which kind of brings me on to the interview side of things. You know, what's to stop you sticking a, a Zoom call on with a with a client and interviewing them over a Zoom call? You don't yeah. need to physically take a camera crew into someone's office nowadays, although there are brilliant companies out there that do loads and loads of great stuff with video. But it can be as cheap and cheerful as literally having a Zoom um, connection, videoing it, and then sticking a couple of logos on. Um, and topping and tailing that it doesn't you know it doesn't need to cost the air but it's a different way of putting your stories out there and then the final part is the social media piece and I know we've probably talked about it to death but it's another channel um, and it's a really nice light touch and it's where you should start if you're nervous about having people have an opinion for themselves in your business Um, God, I, I think back to like maybe 15 years ago and I was working for a, an agency and I suppose Twitter had just started and collectively the board had decided 
that we would only have marketing with outside external um, access to Twitter and Facebook. So no, none of the recruiters had access to Twitter. And it was just like, well, actually, the, the grads that we were taking on and onboarding as new recruits were so used to conversing over Twitter and Facebook that actually it was like them being instantly handicapped. And I, I remember um, there was one recruiter who did all of her recruiting for a, a very specialist technical role on her knee with her phone, um, basically her phone under the desk. Um, and she was just tweeting away um, to her community and she was filling all of her jobs, but there was no paper trail. And she finally got caught out because there was no paper trail on the CRM. So she had to basically double admin um, all of this connection and content and had to come clean and say, look, yeah, I'm filling my jobs because I'm part of Twitter and this is my group and these are my followers and that's what I do. And and then it was a case of, well, Claire, you've got to go and write a policy for, <laughs> for social media. But actually, we just get on with it now. It's second nature. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that that's kind of, the, the truth around personal branding. Um, I wrote this presentation with the view that actually it was the business leaders in mind. Um, but if you're not yet the boss, then I thought these are really important steps. And if you are the boss, then start here as well, because actually as soon as you get used to it and as soon as you start to, to really um, apply these principles, the quicker and the more value your team will be able to add to your business as well. So starting to build your brand out now, define your purpose, work out what your niche is. So kind of going back to that SWOT analysis, what are you really good at, what you don't like doing, you know, get someone else to kind of compliment you there and then start building this personal brand and tell your story. So let me ask a question because you mentioned it a couple of times about, you know, and you talked about your own personal experience. I don't particularly like presenting, but now, now I do. What, what what suggestions have you got for people listening to this podcast, watching this video around, you know, if you've got this limiting belief about you and how personal branding will work for you, any suggestions on how to handle that one? I think it's just take it slow and start small. Um, you know, if, and the one thing that I really, I took, and I suppose I, I said this as well just before we came on air, um, I know what my expertise is. I, I know that marketing is the thing that I get out of bed for every morning. So it's always been that way for me. And I'm, I'm kind of really blessed, I suppose, to have this sort of purpose. But if there's got to be something that you really get excited by, you know, whether or not it's golf or if it's, I don't know, um, climbing walls like this at weekends, whatever your passion is, Start there because it's so much easier for you to believe in the expertise that you have than to try and go and learn something new. So if you have been a recruiter for 20 years and you've been really successful at it because you're still a recruiter and you've run your own business and now you've got employees and they're all there, then obviously one of your really good strengths is running a recruitment business. So then maybe start a conversation around well, what are the lessons that you've learned and can you share those with other people? I think um, one of the conversations, so I did a, a Rec Expo Spotlight today um, with a couple of guests, and we were talking about personal branding and, and sort of the, the sort of recruiter lessons as well. And, and actually just being able to ring fence what it is that you like 
about yourself gives you such a really good starting point and and it helps people That's a really good suggestion <laughs> yeah it just i mean it's what people kind of see in you that's the authentic you and if you start from a place of authenticity you can't go wrong it's when you start sort of believing in the hype that i think people become unstuck um or living up to a false impression um and there's a, there's a lot of work i've done on my own sort of personal journey through whether it's being a manager or a director and now running my own business figuring out what makes me tick is really important so i spend mm. A proportion of my week kind of really thinking about am I happy and you know just even those little moments enable me to sort of adjust mm. my business plan my life plan I book an extra day off or you know I kind of go off and do do some camping or whatever makes makes me feel like I'm actually connecting back to myself um we live in a world that is always on 24 7 whether you're running your own business or not life is mad it's hectic there's so many different calls on your time. If you start throwing yourself into challenges, like getting up on stage and talking to people when you've never actually felt like that, then you're going to come unstuck really quickly. And I don't want that to happen. So don't, you know, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> going back to, and I think you probably weave this in quite a few times, but, you know, for those you know, the very sort of, you know, very focused individuals think, yeah, yeah, personal branding, it's all a bit fluffy. Um, how does it really relate to marketing? And, you know, if I, if I go ahead and I start creating this personal brand, what, what are the results that I'm going to get? Well, I think, I think it's about asking a couple of questions for yourself first. And I, I like to kind of always go back to the objective. It's kind of what we do in marketing strategies. It's, it's what we do when we're looking at business so combine the two and think about, okay, so what what value does your brand or could your brand actually bring to the business? Um, and what does it do today? So if you are a business owner and you've set this up because, you know, whether you're two years in, five years in, ten years in, it doesn't matter. Mm. What What is your personal brand actually bringing to that business right now in terms of, is that is the network of new business all yours? Or have you taught the methodologies or the concept around the industry to your employees? Have your employees taught you some things? Have you picked up anything that actually you're like, oh, that's exciting. I can kind of get on with and do that. And then think about what else can you do to accelerate that value? So is it taking yourself off and doing um so Bill Bowman is a um a really great um friend of mine but also a really great mentor and he turned around and said to me the other week that I should actually do a stand-up comedian um workshop mm, um, yeah. to, to become not to become a stand-up comic I'll hasten to add but in terms of what that does from a workshop perspective is it just breaks you out of your comfort zone mm, and it gets yeah. you to be really really good at telling stories and I'm like, oh, do I really want to do that? But actually, there's a part of me that's going, oh, my God, that's the worst thing in the world. I can't possibly want to be, you know, setting myself up to be laughed at. But actually, that's what I do when I get up on stage. I want people to laugh in the jokes bit. But if they yeah. don't know me and I can't project me, then the audience won't know when to laugh at the bits that I find funny. So, you know, it's it's all about being able to to sort of, 
figure out where you can add value as well. And that personal journey never stops. Um, and if you're if you're really in if you're really interested in expanding that value, I mean, going back to that stat, if you can align another forty four percent of the value of your business just by stepping up on stage, then isn't it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, we've asked you a lot of questions and uh, you have really delivered in this presentation, particularly like that slide where you talked about reputation and, uh, you know, how that will add value and success. I think it really sort of summarizes everything there, Claire. But are there, is there anything else I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about today that you think might just add value for the audience as well? Um. Well, I can do a shameless plug for Recruitment Agency Expo, if you'll let me. Uh, absolutely, because <laughs> we're going to be there. So, of course, you can do yes, that. I can't wait. Um, so, yeah, we've got Recruitment Agency Expo. So that's taking place in Birmingham at the NEC on the 2nd and 3rd of October. And also in London, Olympia in February. And that's the 4th and 5th of February, I think. But over the course of those two days, it's literally three three theatres with over 200 people um, coming to listen to 50 presenters. Now, if you want to know about how how good or how nerve-wracking or how scary and how exhilarating um, it is, then obviously come and speak. Sharon's going to be presenting again for us in Birmingham. Um, but it's just one of those things where you can see the content come to life for people these are stories about um businesses accelerating there's ideas for strategy and growth there's there's lots of personal stories um that are in the program and baked in on purpose because i want i want to showcase businesses um that are growing and it's all about the the strategic growth whether you're looking to break new markets or if you're looking to develop your people these are all the topics that are going to be discussed along the way and it'd be great to see you there so yeah if you if you want to see all of this in action um you'll probably see me whizzing around like a mad woman um with my hair on fire um as i'm running between three theaters it's my my annual diet (laughs) week so i can basically stick my running shoes on and away i go um but no it's great fun and there's going to be yeah a thousand or so of your peers there so why not come along network meet people meet loads of vendors as well there's some amazing technology companies that are out there um and and obviously service providers like yourself as well um who are going to be around big thank you claire and um i'm not sure if i'm going to be there but maybe i should be there shouldn't i come to the expo think about standing outside comfort zones and all that (laughs) yes yes note to self um so uh thanks again for today and for for those of you might be listening to this on itunes head over to youtube and you'll be able to watch this as well and see all of claire's uh, slides and definitely a photograph moment and claire if if people want to get in contact with you how do they do that i know you've just put a slide up now but if you want to yeah talk to um, as well so so my website is um am hyphen bush and that stands for accelerated marketing by me claire bush um i provide marketing consultancy mentoring and training mobile number and um email address and i'm i'm all over linkedin um and you can tweet me at claire bush as well so yeah looking forward to to connecting with anybody who fancies asking questions great thanks claire lovely to see you thank you very much again bye bye